Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. Did Rupert Murdoch ever intend to retire? Rupert Murdoch famously said he would never retire. Not only did he say he would never retire, he said he would never die. He declared after surviving prostate cancer in 1999 that he, quote, planned to live forever. So this is a huge shock to everyone in the Fox world. That's Gabriel Sherman, special correspondent for Vanity Fair. And I'm Brian Stelter. Let me welcome you to this special breaking news episode of Vanity Fair's Inside the Hive. We're talking about two hours after Rupert Murdoch announced that he is stepping down or stepping up, certainly stepping aside. He is becoming chairman emeritus of both Fox Corporation and News Corporation, uh, essentially empowering his son Lachlan to run both companies by himself. Although with Rupert Murdoch, you never really know. So, Gabe, let's talk about all of the implications here, both for Fox and News Corporation, for the Republican Party, for the 2024 election and beyond. I'm sure readers remember your Vanity Fair cover story just a few months ago about Rupert and his family and his empire. So, first of all, is this actually retirement Mm -hmm. or is it something a little bit different? Well, Brian, you know, the question is why now? Because Rupert has been, you know, effectively semi-retired for years. You know, he almost never comes into the office um, you know, Lachlan and uh, up until a few months ago, Viet Din had been running the company. Robert Thompson runs News Corp, the publishing division. So Rupert didn't have to make this giant announcement because nothing day to day on the ground is really changing by this announcement, um, hmm. which is adding just to the to the mystery. And and really, there is clearly more to the story than a press release because you know R- Rupert has not been running the company, you know, really for at least two to three years is my understanding. You can see that in the Dominion v. Fox filings, Uh, you know, in that lawsuit that was then settled in April, you can see how passive Rupert was, how he acted more like a passenger than the captain of the great Fox ship in 2020 when the election lies were spreading. You know, he's sending emails to his, Mm -hmm. um, his deputies, you know, acting shocked by what's going on when in fact he should have been in a leadership role trying to stop the lies from spreading. So, so we have evidence that yes, he's been sitting back. He's been semi-retired. So, Maybe he'll now be more semi-semi-retired because you know what's happening here. You know, his his aides are going to say that he's still active, he's still involved. And and Rupert himself in his memo is saying he's still going to be watching and reading and responding at all hours. But I suppose that's not very believable, is yeah. it? Well, I should uh, just, Brian, I, I should point out in 2018, I broke the news for Vanity Fair that Rupert had fallen and broken his back on his son Lachlan's uh, sailboat. And I remember the internal email that was leaked to me where Rupert said that he would be fully engaged and responding to emails and that he just had to work from home for some time. And subsequent to that, I reported in my cover story uh, earlier this year that that injury was, in fact, far worse than was reported at the time, uh, that Rupert was actually near death uh, at one point after the incident. And so, you know, we know that just because Rupert says in, an, in a company memo that he's going to be fully engaged, it does not reflect 
possibly the the reality. So I think mm. this memo that they sent out clearly was designed to show that he's engaged. But I think we need you know more evidence to that to actually show that that's the case. So let's talk about the possibilities here, because right now that is uh, what everybody in the media world is is talking about. What could be the possible reasons why there'd be this big statement, G- given that nothing may be actually changing in the companies except for you know the alignment of board seats? What what could this be about? Well, what I'm hearing from sources this morning, Brian, and I think I should clarify, qualify everything to say that we're still in speculation mode. So this is informed uh, kind of the internal conversation about what people at Fox are, are talking about. You know, one theory obviously is health. He's turning 93 in March. So um, anytime at anyone at that age, you know, health can go sideways very quickly. So that's one, that's one possibility. The other possibility, which is also connected to his health, is the Smartmatic lawsuit. Because yesterday in court, Fox lawyers said that they had no intention of settling the Smartmatic lawsuit, that they're going to fight this all the way to trial. And as I reported uh, for Vanity Fair in April, the Fox settled the Dominion lawsuit uh, at the 11th hour on the eve of the trial, in part because the Fox lawyers just could not have Rupert Murdoch on the stand. He was called to testify, I think, as the first or second witness um, at trial. And... Uh, Fox lawyers knew that it would be devastating for Rupert Murdoch to be testifying in open court and everyone could see, you know, with their own eyes at how frail and out of it he really is. And so they settled the case. So one theory is that he's stepping down now, perhaps to take himself out of the legal line of fire and would get out of being called as a witness to testify if the Smartmatic case goes to trial or any of these shareholder lawsuits. But but again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know as a legal strategy if that's sound. I mean, it seems to me that somebody who was the chairman of the company at the time of the the incident would still be a, a, a viable witness. But um, but that is, again, what people are talking about. You're absolutely right that Fox fought very hard to stop Rupert Murdoch from having to be deposed and to stop Rupert Murdoch from having to testify and ultimately did settle Dominion. Smartmatic, for for listeners who may not know, is an even bigger, possibly more damaging case because Smartmatic is, number one, demanding more money. And number two, I would say, having studied this, has a stronger case than Dominion (laughs) because Smartmatic in the 2020 election only existed, only worked in one county in the United States, in Los Angeles County. And nobody thinks (laughs) that Donald Trump won Los Angeles County. You know what I'm saying, Gabe? So Smartmatic has a really strong case. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to find out down the road if this is connected. Are there other theories or other possibilities you're also uh, picking up on? No, no, nothing too specific to Rupert stepping down, although I did get a funny text from a Fox source this morning who said that he wondered if Elon Musk would buy the company now. So I think <laughs> I think this just shows you that, you know, everything is at play now that this this moment has come that, you know, as we said at the top of the show, nobody expected Rupert Murdoch to voluntarily leave leave his company. And by the way, at this early hour, we don't know if it's actually voluntary. You know, we don't know if there were uh, maneuverings behind the scenes. Uh, what, I, what I do know for sure is that this this was in the works for at least weeks and definitely was, you know, um, produced to some degree by Fox and News Corporation to, to make it a moment, to make it a, a special event. I mean, look at the Wall Street Journal homepage this morning. Look at Fox's broadcasts. They have treated this like the end of an era. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the era actually ended a number of years ago, they are treating it as a real impactful moment. But as we're talking, I'm, I'm looking at the stock, the Fox Corporation stock, of course, you know, up 3%. We'll see where it, it lands at the end of the day. But the more important and relevant detail about the stock is that over the last five years, 
you know, Foxcore is down 20%. You know, this is not a company that is outperformed in the market. This is mm-hmm. a company that's disappointed investors. You know, th- this, this notion of the Murdochs, you know, running the company, controlling the, uh, the company, benefiting investors, I-, I would say far from it. Uh, News Corporation has fared better. But let's, let's talk about that part of the conversation. As you say, you know, what about Elon Musk? Will there be a new owner? Um, this is an asset that, that may be viewed by some as a takeover target. But it's also it's also struggled, at least the Fox Corporation part has struggled in recent years. Without question. I think in terms of a sale, though, Brian, we should point out that Cruden Investments, the Murdoch family, a vehicle that controls the companies through the special class of shares, while Rupert Murdoch is alive, he has four um, seats on the family trust that could outvote any of the, the children. So, you know, a sale uh, at this point, while Rupert is alive, would require Rupert's buy-in. Although when he does, uh, when he dies, his four votes um, dissolve to to the children. So then it comes down to a four way, you know, vote between Liz, Lachlan, James, and Prudence, um, which then could very much, you know, put the company in play. But I think, you know, at this point, while Rupert is alive, any sale or or, or d- uh, distribution of assets would have to be, you know, at Rupert's behest. In your cover story from last spring, uh, titled Inside Rupert Murdoch's Succession Drama, you get into the various ways this could go. Uh, h- how would you describe the various paths, um, whether, again, it's whether it's in a year or 10 years or something? What happens at that point when there is a battle for control of the trust? Well, I think you could look at it several ways. I think just first, let's just take the politics of it, right? So Lachlan, as as we all know, is, is an avowed, very, you know, committed conservative, you know, a lot of people um, say that his politics are actually further to the right than his father's. Um, And he was seen internally as Tucker Carlson's, you know, biggest supporter within the company. So, you know, politically, Lachlan is on the right. You know, James, as we know, is is much further to the left, as is his sister Elizabeth. And Prudence um, is, you know, somewhat, you know, considered to be on the left, although, you know, has been much less visible as a as any role in the company. But just taking the politics of it, you would say that Liz, James and Prudence would probably vote to, if not change the political direction of the company, could uh, could dethrone Lachlan. Now, you know, with the Murdoch family, so much is more complicated than just politics that, I, as I reported in my cover story, you know, Liz Murdoch still has really wanted to have a close relationship with her father and 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 earn his approval. And so, you know, for her to to turn on Lachlan, who's been the golden child, the heir apparent, you know, there's a lot of loyalty she has to Rupert. So it's not as simple as her just, you know, voting with James to throw Lachlan out. I think it's gonna be a a very complicated thing. My, you know, armchair speculation is that the easiest scenario would be just the family sells. The company. These are not growth assets. The kids would rather take the money and and go do what they want with their own lives rather than having to try to you know manage this manage the company um, mm. themselves. They are not growth assets, and yet Fox editorially, um, you know, politically has immense power. Uh, the first GOP debate was on Fox. Trump snubbed it, but it was still a big ratings winner. The next GOP debate is on Fox next week. You know, it's not as if Republicans are rushing off to Newsmax or Rumble. They, they know where the power is. It is in Rupert and Laughlin's Fox News, even without Tucker Carlson, even with all the changes in recent years. So it's not a growth asset, but it's this political asset. And I think it's important to underscore that's not changing today, uh, even though Rupert is stepping up or down or aside or whatever it is. 
that part is not changing for now. Without question, right. Um, even with with all of the, the upheaval in the conservative media, the rise of the even more MAGA, more pro-Trump outlets, you know, Fox is still the, the largest vehicle for Republican media. They have the highest percentage of Republican primary voters. So, yes, it's a very powerful political platform, you know, regardless of the fact that Fox News is not growing as a um, as a financial asset. And now Lachlan Murdoch is even more in charge of Fox News. Let's talk more about Lachlan in just a moment here on Vanity Fair's Inside the Hive. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. And welcome back to Vanity Fair's Inside the Hive. I'm Brian Stelter, and we're doing this special edition episode about Rupert Murdoch's big announcement Thursday morning, his retirement or semi-retirement, and what it means for Fox Corporation and News Corporation. We're talking with Gabriel Sherman, special correspondent for Vanity Fair, uh, who has studied the Murdochs like no one else. So let's talk about Lachlan and, and what people should know about him. You acknowledge that he's as conservative or more conservative than his father, Rupert. He also spends most of his time in Australia. And that's opened the door to criticism that he's not fully engaged with the companies. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because Lachlan has been the heir apparent. He was Rupert's favorite son. And yet people at Fox really marvel at the fact that he seems to be not you know, fully engaged and committed to running these companies. He very publicly left California where he had based his family in Los Angeles uh, they found L.A. to be a very inhospitable social environment given Fox's politics. And Lachlan loves Australia. You know, he did not grow up there, but he really has adopted this this Australian identity. And he and he really has a lot of Australian pride and moved his, his family um, back to Sydney where he, you know, ostensibly runs the company that whose major assets are here in, in America or uh, in the U.K., so it really raises the question of how committed Lachlan is to running this company. And, you know, it's most of the time the company was run day to day by Viet Dinh, who's no longer there. So I think a big question that both Wall Street but also, you know, uh, Fox employees will have is, you know, who is going to be rolling up their sleeves and running this company? Because it's really hard to be running this company on a, you know, 12 to 14 hour time difference where Lachlan is based in Sydney. Hmm. And it does not seem as if Lachlan Murdoch has some grand uh, swashbuckling vision for the future of Fox News or cable news. Um, yes, they've made investments in, in streaming with Tubi, but, you know, I, it's not as if I can point to something and say, yes, Clearly, there is some incredible plan to uh, make this a growth asset. No, Lachlan's one of his other big ideas was online, you know, internet gaming, which was legalized. There was the Fox Bet app, and which didn't really pan out. So I think his his two big growth ideas have been, you know, online gambling and uh, Tubi, and you know, ad you know free ad supported um, streaming, which has fared a little better. But again, Lachlan does not cultivate 
um, Republican power brokers the way Rupert did. You know, they, they don't have to come kiss his ring. Interesting. The way, you know, Rupert, you know, loved to be in the mix. I really can't tell you that, you know, Lachlan has a plan of where this company will be in, in five years. You know, Rupert lived for the deals, right? L- Rupert was always about the next deal until he wasn't. And then he sold, you know, his entertainment assets to Disney. But up until, you know, the Disney sale, the entire story of Rupert Murdoch was what is he going to buy next? And mm-hmm. I don't think there is that same drive that Lachlan has. I mean, he he seems to be almost like a caretaker CEO of just kind of like keeping the trains running. And that's I think that's, you know, partly why, as you pointed out earlier, Brian, that Fox's stock is down, you know, considerably compared to where the market has been. Caretaker is the, the knock that I hear against Laughlin as well, that he's just, you know, he's just keeping the trains running. Um, with regards to his politics, he is more uh, um, open to Trump than his father, right? We, we know that Rupert Murdoch personally detests Donald Trump. So even though there's not the, the kind of kingmaker status where politicians are coming to Laughlin, seeking his advice, et cetera, uh, the way that like Rupert Murdoch and Mitch McConnell are very close, he is more um, open-minded about Trumpism, I think, and that may be important. Yeah, I mean, clearly, given the, where the polls are, you know, it's very likely that Trump will be the Republican nominee. So, having Lachlan being less less anti-Trump, you know, might open the door to Fox being, you know, if not neutral, even becoming, you know, more pro-Trump. You know, that said, as long as Rupert is alive, it's hard for me to see. You know, he is chairman emeritus. He's going to be still in Lachlan's ear. As, as we said earlier, I don't know how much this actually changes the reality of how this company is run. Right, um, so right. I, it would be hard for me to imagine that suddenly, you know, Rupert's anti-Trump feelings would just be discounted because he's now emeritus chairman and not chairman himself. With all of these men, it's as if they're trapped by the Frankenstein Trump that they created. Not that I'm trying to express sympathy, but... You know, it's all so complicated because of Trump and, and, and the cult like following Trump has. Yeah, I mean, that's the um, they 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 benefited from from the ratings, but now they're beholden to him. And it's uh, it was a Faustian bargain that they got, you know, they got the money, they got the profits. But, you know, what did they win in the end? Their fortunes are now tied to um, to somebody who's now facing four criminal indictments and possibly will be twice convicted of felonies prior to the general election next November. So mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be a very fascinating 13 months that we're going to be looking at. So back to where we started, back to the father, back to Rupert. He has also had a tumultuous personal life recently. Uh, you broke the news that he uh, split up with his uh, fiance after only a couple of weeks last spring. Lately, he's been seen with a new girlfriend. Is there any reason to think that that, that I don't want to say mess, but it is a mess. His personal life is a mess. Any reason to think that that mess has anything to do with the business machinations here? I don't think, I don't know. I don't think his, um, you know, his broken engagement um, would have, I don't see a direct connection to why, you know, that would lead to him stepping down. I but mean, doesn't I do it think, feed into this narrative that he's lost a step, that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he's, he's not all fully there anymore? That's true. Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, clearly there's chaos in his personal life that has, kind of mirrored and been a reflection of the uh, of the business chaos. Um, but I think the bigger story is that, you know, Rupert is somebody who doesn't really have any friends. He said this himself. I mean, this isn't even me knocking him. It's He said it's very hard for him to have friends being, you know, uh, a media mogul that he has to sort of offend people. So it's hard to have relationships. And so 
you know, he's a pretty lonely guy by his own account. And so to me, it's it, this is also, a, a, you know, a sort of a sad final chapter of his life that, you know, he divorced Jerry Hall, his fourth wife. He nearly got remarried. They called that off. And he now, you know, I guess, you know, based on what was in the Daily Mail and elsewhere has a, has a new girlfriend. But, you know, this is a guy that he doesn't have a lot in his personal life. And, you know, without running, you know, without, you know, the the title, at least, I mean, he's going to be still involved, but the the public title of chairman of Fox, you know, I, I just wonder on a day-to-day basis, what is his life going to look like? I mean, who who is he spending time with? He's 90, turning 93. Does he have home health aides? Does he have nurses? Like, what what is his actual day going to look like now that he's, you know, no longer officially involved with his company? Sounds like you have some more reporting to do. <laughs> but before I let you go, if there was one word that, that sums up Rupert's legacy, um, do you have a sense of what it would be? And of course, you, you can give me more than a one word answer. <laughs> well, one word, his legacy would be, you know, power, right? The pursuit of power at all cost. Um, but I think, you know, just to step it out uh, a little bit larger, I think the and I point this out in my my Vanity Fair piece. You know, a lot of a lot of people say that, you know, Rupert Murdoch, the the image, the literary image they have of him is King Lear, right? The aging monarch who is, you know, railing against mortality and is dividing his family to try to hold hold on to power. But I actually think, you know, the 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 parable of King Midas is the better analogy because yes, he got he conquered the world, he conquered media, he, you know, became a multi-billionaire. But at what cost? Everything he touched ended up, you know, being destroyed. You know, the Republican Party, um, the environment, even his own family, you know, was really just thrown into complete disarray by his pursuit of more and more and more. And so that's, to me, the tragedy of, of Murdoch is that he got the power that he wanted, but at the cost of, you know, both his family and the world at large. Gabe Sherman, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. once again, that was Gabriel Sherman, special correspondent for Vanity Fair. This episode of Inside the Hive was produced by Michael May. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our engineer is Jake Loomis. And I'm Brian Stelter. Thanks for tuning in for this special edition. Uh, Let us know what you thought of it. Send me an email anytime. I'm at bstelter at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter and threads at Brian Stelter. And we'll be back next week with more Inside the Hive. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm really excited to see... Whether I can read the Iliad again, whether I'm that literate, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. 
Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) 